This is such a great way to kick off our Advent season. And the theme of our Christmas series this year is fear not. Do not be afraid. Now, when my brother and I were kids, we loved going to amusement parks and we enjoyed all of the rides except for one, the roller coaster. Uh, it was a little bit too intense for us. And one wintry day, my parents took my brother and I to a uh, Christmas-themed amusement park. It was called uh, the North Pole Santa's Workshop. And of course, they had a roller coaster called the Candy Cane Coaster. And with some encouragement from my parents, my brother and I decided to, to give it a try. And our hearts were racing with fear and excitement. We climbed into our seats, held our breath, closed our eyes, and suddenly the roller coaster took off. We screamed at the top of our lungs while it accelerated around the twists and turns and drops. And then our, uh, our screams turned into loud cries of, make it stop, make it stop. And by, by the time the ride was over, we had tears in our eyes. And I'm, I'm absolutely terrified of roller coasters to this day. Uh, I'm happy to go to the park with you. I'll hold the bags. You go do the crazy rides. Uh, but you know, the roller coaster of life can bring out a lot of our fears and anxieties. It really can. But this Christmas season, we're going to discover that because of the presence of Jesus, who was born in a manger, we can truly fear not. I love that. The Christmas story opens up with an angel who appears to a man named Zachariah. Zechariah will become the father of John the Baptist, that great forerunner of Jesus. And the angel's message to Zechariah is, Fear not, your prayer has been answered. I would like to talk to you this morning about unanswered prayers. Fear not, your prayer has been answered. How many of you have ever prayed for something again and again and again and nothing happened? Anybody? Yeah, me too. We've all been there, right? We all know what that's like. We've had that experience. And maybe even today, you might be here and you're wrestling with the pain of an unanswered prayer. If you feel that way or you've ever felt that way before, I want to tell you that you're not alone. One of the most amazing couples in scripture, two of the most amazing people you could imagine, Zechariah and Elizabeth, had an unanswered prayer. How do we deal with the fear that arises from the unanswered prayers in our life? It could be a fear about the future and what's going to happen. Maybe it's a fear about a child and some of the choices they're making, fear about finances, what are, whatever it is, we have many fears in our hearts this morning. And I, I want to talk about how we might be able to come to a place where we can truly fear not. And God's desire for every one of us in this room this morning is that we would experience a freedom from fear. So let's talk about that. Listen to the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. It's found in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 5, if you'd like to follow along, or you can just uh, look the screen behind me. Here's what it says. It was so beautifully acted out this morning. Luke 1, 5 through 25. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. 
Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time came for the burning of incense, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you'll be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he couldn't speak to them. They realized he'd seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. When the time of his service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant. That's the word of the Lord. Let's take a moment and open in prayer. God, thanks for this morning. It's not by accident that we're here. You've called us to this, to this moment, and you are here, and you're changing lives. And I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning about our own fears and unanswered prayers. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we read the story. Zachariah and Elizabeth have an unanswered prayer. They've been praying for a child. And their story re reveals two powerful reasons why we can fear not even when our prayers go unanswered. So here's reason number one. Fear not, God is in this story. The reason why we don't have to fear. Fear not, God is in this story. You and I go through many difficulties, and God is with us in every one of them. God had not abandoned Zachariah and Elizabeth, even when their prayers were going unanswered. And the message that I have for you this morning is that God is in your story. Our story begins in verse 5, in the time of Herod, king of Judea. So King Herod, who's also known as Herod the Great, uh, ruled over the Jewish people under the Roman Empire for about 33 years, from 37 B.C. to 4 B.C. I don't know who was calculating the B.C. and A.D., but they missed it by a few years, so whoops, that's one of the big whoops of history right there. Um, but as many of you know, Herod was a shrewd and cruel leader, wasn't he? At times, people thought he was a madman. He actually uh, had his wife and two sons killed. He killed 
the babies in Bethlehem after Jesus was born. But Herod also left a legacy as one of uh, ancient history's greatest builders. And he left behind many great building projects. Uh, he famously took down the temple in Jerusalem and rebuilt it as one of the wonders of the world. It's uh, referred to as Herod's Temple. We'll put it up on the screen for you. It was so stunning and so grand that it was said, whoever has not seen Herod's building has never seen a beautiful building in their life. Wow, what a sight it must have been to go to that temple. Before Jesus, the temple was the place where God was present. It's where God was worshipped. The temple served as a towering reminder that God is in the story. And we get that same encouragement whenever, whenever we gather together in the house of God. We're reminded that we've come before the living God. God is working in your life and my life. He is in this story. And God was working in Zechariah and Elizabeth's story. Start with their names. I believe that we have our names for a reason. You have your name for a reason. The Bible talks about how names have meaning and names have significance. It was believed God was at work in the naming of individuals. So take a look at this. What's in a name? Zechariah. I don't know if we have any Zachs here, Zachies. Uh, the Lord remembers. So Zechariah's name means the Lord remembers. Uh, that is, God does not forget us. The name Elizabeth means God's oath. That is, God is the absolutely reliable one. I don't think it's an accident that this couple that lived with an unanswered prayer for so many years had been given these names. God has not forgotten you. God's word will never fail. Do you see how even in the darkness of unanswered prayer, even Zechariah and Elizabeth's names declared powerful truths that God was going to work in their story? Have you ever stopped to look up the meaning of your name? I'd encourage you to go home and do that. Look it up. Find out what it means. And then ask God, okay, God, what are you trying to tell me about who I am? and how you might be working in my story. Our names reflect something of God's work in our lives. It's a calling forth of our identity and destiny. I really believe that. So God's at work in your story. Go look up your name. God's at work. We already see that in these names. God's also already at work in Zachariah and Elizabeth's marriage. This is kind of cool too. Verse 5 continues. There was a priest named Zachariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah, his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. In other words, she was also uh, connected with this priestly line. They're both from a line of priests. In other words, these are PKs. They're pastor's kids. Right? They grew up going to church. They uh, grew up in you know, believing families. Do we have some PKs in the room today? I know we do. Come on. Yep, yep. See, we've got some PKs. Uh, these are PKs here. And... Uh, but here's what's amazing about Zachariah and Elizabeth. When the time comes for them to get married, 
they follow Paul's instructions in 1 Corinthians 7.39, and they marry in the Lord. Notice the agreement in this verse between husband and wife. There is no spiritual incompatibility between the two. They're united in their pursuit of God, in living wholeheartedly for him. One commentator notes such a union was a special, a sign of a special privilege. So let me speak to the young people here for a moment. Based on so much of our common life experiences, a lot of us would say today that who you marry is one of the most important decisions in your life. Isn't it? Right? Married people, yeah? Right? Based on our experience, it's such a big deal. The single most important decision you can make in your life, one that echoes for eternity is, will you trust Jesus Christ? Will you receive his free gift of salvation? But I would argue this morning that the second most important decision you can ever make is who you will marry. And my encouragement for you this morning, if, you ha when, if and when you have that opportunity to choose wisely, look for somebody who has the same passion and love for Jesus Christ as you, and it can lead to a lifetime of happiness. But God is at work in this story. He's at work in your story. I believe it. See it in their names, the marriage. Look what happens next, verse 8. Once when Zechariah's division, oh, excuse me, I think I jumped ahead. Hang on. Going back. Oh, yes, here we go, here we go. I'll warn you, I normally have a clock back there, but I don't have that this morning. So if I'm going too long, somebody wave at me. <laughs> it's dangerous to not give a preacher a clock. I'm just telling you right now. Um, all right, back to the message. Notice how in the next verse, Zechariah and Elizabeth are living out their faith together. Verse 6, both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. They're, they're following God's will. It's, it calls them blameless. Now, blameless here doesn't mean perfect. In just a few verses, we're going to see Zechariah doubts the Lord, right? So he's not perfect. None of us are perfect either. But Zechariah and Elizabeth were faithful. They were living for God when no one else could see them but God. I look around this room today, I know a lot of you in this room, and you are steadfast in living for God, in giving, in serving, in seeking the Lord. And you're living for that day when you stand before God and the Lord says, well done, good and faithful servant. They're servants of the Lord. They're living for God, not perfectly, but faithfully. But despite all of their obedience, Zachariah and Elizabeth have a, a life challenge. They're living with an answered, unanswered prayer. We see that in the next verse, verse 7. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Now, the inability to conceive a child is a very confusing, and it can be a heart-wrenching experience for any couple. Uh, Angie and I got married young, and we uh, wanted kids. We fully expected to get pregnant. I remember uh, one time at, at our church, our old church, uh, some people were praying for us, and one woman had a vision of uh, 
you know, like a baby in Angie's womb. I don't know if you remember that, but that never happened for us. And those were really tough days in our life. And it can be difficult when you walk through that valley of unanswered prayers. You're waiting and seeking and wondering if God loves you, if he hears you, or if those dreams will come true. You know, the Bible has many stories of women who struggled to get pregnant. I think they're there for a reason. They're there to remind us that God is at work in our stories, even through the unanswered prayers. He's with us in the difficulty. His plan is unfolding in our lives. We only need eyes to see it. Be encouraged. God is at work. We see it in their names, their marriage. They're living for God. Look what happens next. Verse 8. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by Lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. When the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. What is going on here? Well, uh, Zechariah was a priest. He was one of 18 thousand priests who served the Lord in the time of Israel during that day. The 18,000 priests were divided into 24 divisions that took place under King David. Each division served one week twice a year. However, due to the large number of priests and the few roles that one could, uh, the limited number of roles within the temple, uh, the uh, coveted um, Positions were selected at random using a lottery system called casting lots. Now, we have some ideas what that might be, but it was, a very, it was meant to be random. So you have this random chance to be selected for a specific role. Although Proverbs says you can cast the lot, but the outcome is from the Lord. So how many of you know that there really isn't anything that's random with God, right? And here, Zechariah gets a random, I'm air quoting that, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to actually go inside of the temple and burn incense to the Lord. Now, this offering of incense uh, was a symbol of prayers going up to God. God is hearing our prayers. Meanwhile, outside, all the people were praying. What an exciting moment this was. Take a look at the next graphic. We had this up before. Um, Once Zechariah walked into that temple, the altar of incense stood in front of a great veil. And behind that veil was the most holy place in the temple, the Holy of Holies. This is where God dwelt in awesome majesty. Now, only one person, the high priest, only one day of the year the Day of Atonement could go behind that curtain into the most holy place and only with blood. So think about this. Zechariah has come as close to the presence of God as any man could come in that day but the high priest. How crazy is that? Can't get any closer unless you're one dude on one day of the year. But check this out. The Bible teaches us that because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, that veil has come down. And by faith in Jesus, you and I have access to holy places with the Lord. 
And the Bible teaches that through the death of Jesus Christ, his sacrifice on the cross, our sins can be forgiven. And by faith in Jesus Christ, you can begin an eternal life with God, a new, genuine, real relationship with God. And if you've never done that before, I want to invite you to come and to do that right now by simply admitting our sin, our failure, and trusting in Christ. Call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says, and you will be saved. This is for you and for me and our children. Now, I wish I could tell you this morning, all your prayers will be answered by Christmas morning. Wouldn't that be great? Merry Christmas. But I think if Zachariah and Elizabeth teach us anything, it's that Christmas is a great time to thank God for the little blessings. And they could look at their life and how they had opportunities to serve God, their, their marriage, whatever it is, those little blessings are big reminders that God is at work. And so I want to invite you today, even if you've got some unanswered prayers, I can't promise that those prayers are going to be answered by Christmas. They might be answered today. Praise God. But take a moment to remember the little blessings because those point us to the God that's at work right now in my life and your life. Like Zachariah, your name has been drawn. Come on. I tell you, fear not. God is in this story. And number two, second reason we can fear not when our prayers go unanswered, number two, fear not, we can trust his answers. God answers our prayers, and we need not be afraid. How am I doing on time? Okay, all right. So here's Zachariah, he's in the temple. Suddenly an angel appears, verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar. I think I'd be a little freaked out, hello. When Zachariah saw him, he was startled, was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zachariah, your prayer's been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you'll call him John. Wow. The angel announces Zachariah and Elizabeth will bear a son. They're going to call him John. This boy is John the Baptist. He's going to herald the coming of Jesus to the world. And there's a lot more information about that in the passage. But what I'd like you to notice, yeah, good. The very first words of God in the Gospel of Luke. Do you see them? Very first words of God in the Gospel of Luke are do not be afraid. Or more traditionally, fear not. And the message of the angels throughout this series is that God is the answer to our fears. You might have heard this. There are 365 fear nots in the Bible. Anybody heard that? One for every single day of the year. Fear not is the most, uh, it's the, it's the, the, com the most commanded thing in the entire scripture. God's always saying, fear not, fear not, fear not. So, so people have said there are 365 fear nots in the Bible, one fear not for every day of the year. Uh, I guess leap year or leap year day, you could have some fear. Um, but every other day of the year, you should not be afraid. And I say that because next year is a leap year, so we want to make sure that we know. Actually, there's more than 365 fear nots in the Bible, so even then, you're, you're pretty well covered. 
Um, but what do we do when fear arises in our heart? How do we fight back against fear? And I want to share with you three uh, what I might call fear fighter verses. These are ones you want to memorize. Uh, write on a post-it note, stick it on the mirror, stick it on the dash of your car. Uh, here's our first fear fighter verse, Deuteronomy 31.8. Recently met uh, a young woman who had that tattooed on her arm. So maybe tattoo it. I mean, that, that could be a, a good thing if, you know, you want to have that fear fighter verse just right there. Um, but this one's a good one. So I, I can see why she had the tattoo. Deuteronomy 31.8, it says this, fear fighter verse 1. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. That's God's word to you this morning. To fight back some of the fear. Fear fighter verse number two, Isaiah 41.10. You'll hear this every Sunday in our uh, candle lighting. This is our theme verse for the series. Also uh, recently found out that Isaiah 41.10 is the YouVersion Bible app's verse of the year for 2023. How about that? It says, do not fear. God says, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Powerful verse to hide in our hearts. Last one, Fear Fighter, verse number three, Luke 8.50. Jesus said, don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. We can trust God's answers. And God is inviting you this morning to a life of freedom from fear. How does Zechariah do with trusting God's answers? Uh, not so well. Angel <laughs> appears to Zechariah, verse 18. Zechariah asks the angel, how can I be sure of this? Uh, dumb question. Although he is an old man, so I get that. His wife is well along in years. But the angel looks at him and is like, uh, I'm an angel. I'm standing in front of you. That's how you know, Zach. Verse 19, the angel said to him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you didn't believe my words, which will come true at their point in time. Zachariah is gobsmacked. He literally is silent. He cannot speak. And he won't speak again until the child is born. Why is that? You might say, well, he doubted God. So, punishment. Boom. <laughs> not going to speak. You're in a timeout, Zechariah. <laughs> Put you in the quiet zone. Maybe there's some of that, but I think <laughs> somebody else is getting put in the quiet zone. I also think the, the quietness is instructive because it's in quietness and silence that we begin to put our trust in God. We learn 
to rest in him and believe his word. But I got to give Zachariah some credit. He had prayed to be a dad. He never expected to be a dad in his old age. I prayed to be a pastor. Never expected to be a pastor in Pennsylvania. <laughs> prayed to be a father. Never expected to be a dad through adoption. I, I couldn't have predicted my story. I couldn't have written the script because God kept messing it up over and over again. And I'm so glad he did. I mean, you say God messed up my story too. <laughs> starting to realize God does answer prayer. But sometimes God's answers don't look like, like my prayers. One of my friends posted a story on Facebook recently, and she talks about her family's move from Colorado to Arizona. And during that whole move, they had their eye on this perfect property. They were going to build a house on the property, raise their kids. They prayed and believed she writes that God was actually holding this land for them. And then suddenly the land sold before they even had a chance to make an offer. And she and her family were so disappointed and let down. They had prayed over this property. Then two weeks ago, the neighborhood and property were suddenly on the nightly news. This is a true story. It turns out a company is trying to build a mine in the middle of the neighborhood. And she uploaded this picture. Proposed mine site. 200 yards. She wrote, I'm so thankful that with everything else we have going on, we're still trying to get the house finished three years later. We aren't dealing with the stress of a possible mine in our literal backyard. She says, sometimes God's answer of no is the best thing that can happen to you. When he says no to something you have your heart set on, try really hard to trust that it's because he has something so much Fear not. God is in this story. And we can trust his answers. Our God answers prayer. He invites us to pray. He longs for us to experience that kind of relationship with him. And I hope today that you are inspired to pray and to trust his answers in his perfect timing. Let me pray for you. God. Thank you for this morning. Thank you that you love us so much, that you would invite us into your very presence to experience the reality of who you are. We pray for the unanswered prayers that are in all of our hearts this morning. And you know, we, we honestly have good days and bad days. Sometimes we have doubts. Sometimes we can trust you, but... In the silence, God, would you remind us that you're with us? You know our heart and you know some of the pain that we're wrestling with. And we pray, God, that you would 
fill our hearts with the kind of faith that Jesus talked about when he said, don't doubt, just believe. Thank you for unanswered prayer, and thank you for the answers that only you can provide. What a great day it's been to be in your house. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.